this summer, uh, I hope that you are encountering God throughout the week in just as powerful a way as we encounter God together in community on Sunday mornings. Uh, the summer practices that we have been engaging in, um, the card that so many of you have picked up that has beautiful artwork on one side and some suggested practices on the other, those are because God wants to be in a relationship with us, and those are practical ways for us to deepen that relationship. Um, the month of June, we talked about practicing the presence, and that was just increasing our awareness that God is with us at all times. Um, prayer is kind of a natural and blends in with that. It is our response oftentimes to God's presence with us. Um, a lot of ways that we could define prayer, but we've been talking about it as communing with God. So it's not just recognizing that he's there, but it's also engaging with him. And uh, again, these, these practices are to grow us to, uh, to a place where we, um, um, I was reading through Galatians this, this past week, and in the message translation, which is a very different, uh, but very understandable modern kind of translation. And uh, Paul talks about how passionate he is for the life of Christ to be made visible in the life of others. And I thought, what a beautiful, um, that's a beautiful picture of really what these practices are for. They're not an end in themselves. It is to do a work in us so that the work of Christ shines through. Um, and that work of Christ is the, the good that we have to do, uh, that we have to offer for the world. So these practices, um, just like what we are seeing in the Olympics, um, we are seeing the fruit of people's practices, many, many practices. Um, and so we are just humbly offering ourselves to God through these practices for him over time. Uh, to work in us so that Christ can shine through us. So uh, for our, um, and this is going to be uh, two-way participation here. You ready? Okay, stay awake. <laughs> Got to stay awake. Um, so for the month of July, uh, we, were, uh, we were given three practices, breath prayers, which we've done a couple of times communally, and uh, there were some instructions for that on that card uh, that involved um, on the inhale, an attribute of God, on the exhale, just a request that's on your heart. Um, we talked about kneeling at the beginning of your day and at the end of your day, and then saying the Lord's Prayer at three times throughout the day. Again, not because we're trying to earn God's attention or anything like that, but through engaging in these over time, these can work um, to transform us. And so here's where I would like to hear back from you. And if you could uh, speak up so that we can, we can hear as best as we can. Were there some prayer practices that you have engaged in this last month? And what, what was that experience like for you? Share. <laughs> Yes. Um, so what Mary Beth had to say was uh, she was praying the 23rd Psalm three times a day. And that was, I'm looking at the computer, like, actually, they're over here. <laughs> How does, this, is, this is my better side for the Zoom people. Um, <laughs> um, 
but uh, for the, um, how did you word it? Did you say the peace? to combat fear and anxiety and then Anne Marie was praying the Lord's Prayer also three times a day and for you it brought more of a sense of connection yeah great great Wendy awesome awesome um, Wendy was sharing, and also for you in the back, uh, as well as Zoom, um, or for you in the back, um, uh, a breath prayer, Lord, um, was it thank you? Yes, and what a, for gratitude, what a, it's a, that just opens the door for gratitude, I love that, and then uh, Lord, heal. And you had someone specifically in mind with that. That's been one that um, I think some of us have been breathing over people uh, in our family, faith family here as well. Yeah. Uh, so um, Daniel's been praying the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. And, um, and I would agree with you, Daniel, that part um, of the Lord's Prayer um, your kingdom come, your will be done, is a, um, that, that can almost cause you to kind of choke up for just that little bit, like, oh, wow, am I really ready for that? Um, and um, big, great, just on a personal level, to be able to pray with you, um, to be able to listen, because I know you're, you and your family are in a, in a place where you want to hear from God and, and want to know what his will is and respond to that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Beth and I were talking yesterday, and we both acknowledged, um, just for us, prayer is hard. And I, th I think sometimes it's the it's the listening. I, th I think we want to we want to say the right words. We want to come to God with the right heart. Um, I think we have a lot of good intentions, but sometimes it's it's hard. I wonder if sometimes I make it harder than it is supposed to be. Um, if God is just kind of saying, "Hey, I'm just here on the couch with you. Let's talk." Um, and so, um, in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity just to, to voice some prayers out loud. And as much as we can, because I think there's probably something um, that, that might be blocking us mentally, um, instead of thinking we're at church, just picture, hey, we're in, we're in your living room. We're hanging out. We're friends. And God is welcome in our midst. And in a few moments, we're going to spend some time talking to God as though he were right here with us because he is. And so um, we'll get to that in just a moment. The, um, and thank you for the things that you've shared. And um, I hope that these, these practices, I mean, the, we had those three. There are only thousands of others. But, uh, but I hope that in some way those can, can stick with you and you see that there is something at work in you. Um, so um, a, I read this quote about prayer uh, just uh, in the last couple of weeks by Karl Barth, and he said, to clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Let me read that again. To clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder 
of the world. God is a God of order. When, when, we, when we read the Genesis account, our first thought might be that um, all that God created out of nothing. But to the Hebrew people, that Genesis account, what stood out most to them is how God brought order to the chaos. If you remember uh, just the, the first couple of verses there, um, it, within the first couple of verses, it's described as the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So it's, it's describing chaos. And this account of, of his creating is really, he is creating order. He is bringing all of this um, under his power and with that, it is um, uh, this just showing that God is a God of order. And we even see this science may not always acknowledge God, but they do prove that God is a God of order. So we look around and we think, okay, if God is a God of order, if he entered into the chaos and brought order to it, if you're like me, you look around and go, what happened? What happened? And we know that um, disorder entered back into the world in Genesis 3. And we, um, we feel and experience the results of that. Um, Paul acknowledges, the Apostle Paul acknowledges the disorder of the world by um, describing for us an invisible to the physical eye, an enemy who wreaks chaos and disorder. In Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the, we struggle, think of it like this, our struggles are against all of the things that are now out of order. We live in a disordered world and we, we feel the ache that things are not as they were meant to be. And so in the midst of the chaos and the disorder, Paul describes for us what we are armed with in the midst of the chaos and the disorder. And he talks about truth and righteousness and peace and faithfulness, um, salvation, the word of God. And he associates that with a Roman soldier's um, armor and in a, in a very vivid way, especially for people of his day. And then in verse 18 of Ephesians 6, it's, he says, after listing the armor and talking about the truth and righteousness and peace and faith, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is not another piece of armor that we put on prayer is how we put on all of the other pieces of armor prayer is what keeps our armor from hanging up in the closet <laughs> prayer is what takes it off of the hangers and puts it on us 
as we engage in this world that has disorder and chaos. Um, what Paul describes here, he's, you know, he mentions prayer of all kinds, but what really stood out to me, and I want us to focus our attention on just for the next few minutes, um, he says, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He's talking about intercessory prayer, about how we can engage um, the disorder of this world on behalf of those who are in the midst of the chaos. Um, this afternoon, uh, we'll remember the life of Clayton Chamberlain. Uh, his too soon death is a reminder of the chaos and the disorder that's present in this life. Um, and it's not just a figure of speech, nor is it an exaggeration to say that Celia and the kids have been thrown into a life of disorder and chaos. So how do we respond to that? Paul says pray. Paul says pray. So very many of us have been praying. Um, do our prayers matter? Sometimes we wonder if, if it's really making a difference. Um, but when we pray for our brothers and sisters, when we pray for someone who is in the midst of disorder and chaos, essentially we are saying the world is in chaos and disorder. God, recreate their world. Redeem their world. Help them to combat the chaos that surrounds them. That's what we are essentially saying. God, this is what we want you to do as creator. Recreate their world for them. And how do we know who or what to pray for? Um, in these verses, it says, on all occasions, be alert and pray. And so I want us to be alert, to be fully present in this moment, and specifically, um, who God might be putting on your heart to pray for. Uh, Matt uh, said last week, he was talking about the life of Jacob. Jacob, um, in this encounter with God, at the end of it says, surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't even know it. In other words, by, by the end of that, he was alert. The Lord is in this place. We want to be alert to his presence, to his activity, and um, we want to train our ears to be able to hear who he is bringing to our minds for us to pray. Um, maybe you've experienced something like this, but you didn't really associate it with God's activity in your life. Maybe someone came to mind during the week, and you're like, well, I haven't thought of that person in a while. Could it be God kind of... Maybe their world is in chaos. And you can pray for God to recreate and redeem the world that they are in. So what I'd like for us to do is just um, to take a few moments, and we'll do this, and then afterwards we'll enter into a time of communion. But I want us to uh, begin by just quieting ourselves inside and inviting God to reveal to us who he would have us to pray for, who he would have you to pray for. And if you feel so moved, um, 
to pray out loud, it could be like a breath prayer. I think Wendy gave us a great example. Lord, heal. Lord, comfort. It could be a longer prayer than that, but just in the, the next few moments, um, I want to give us an opportunity. Again, not like we're seated in rows at a church. We're in a living room. God is present among us. And let's talk with him. Lord, hear our prayers. With your head still bowed, um, as we prepare for communion, um, the chaos and the disorder that our Savior was about to face on our behalf. As I was thinking about Paul's words earlier this week about um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and yet we weekly, we come back to this time of communion and we are reminded that we are put back together because Jesus offered flesh and blood to combat the disorder and the chaos. The bread representing his body, the juice representing his blood. This is what he offered to bring order in the midst of the chaos of our lives. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.